Welcome to part two of our three-part series with Steve Timoney, the owner of the Caledonia Gladiators. Hope you enjoy listening to this one as much as uh, many of you have enjoyed episode one. So, yeah, let me know your thoughts and here's to episode two. So let's talk about the BBL for a wee bit. How, where, when you took over, uh, where do you uh, do you see the kind of BBL side sitting in terms of size and popularity across the kind of BBL spectrum? I think uh, <clears throat> I should say one thing that I've been I've been very inspired not just by the investment that Seven 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 Partners made, but the continuing investment in London and the continuing talk. You know, when you, when you you listen to people talk, but actions count, and so when you see them pointing people like Aaron Radden who's got a CV that we'd all love to have. I mean, he's a very, very experienced and all right years kind of guy. And for 777 to seek him out and bring him on board, I think that signals the intention. And I'm feeling supportive, you know. There's no glass ceiling for us. I want this yeah. to be bigger than the NBA, if I'm being honest. But saying <laughs> to the NBA, would be fine. For the BBL point of view, I think it's a mixed bag. It's clearly a hell of a lot better than the WBBL, but still some of the broadcasting and some of the commentary is, is I think bordering on a bit amateurish I think everybody has to raise their game you know I'm glad that they, they, they brought the, a streaming company on Brandvox to, to film most of the games we were about at that stage to take charge of filming their own games because I still don't think it's particularly satisfactory and we're now putting a jumbotron in the Emirates uh, and probably one at Paisley unless we get our arena going here which is the plan uh, in which case we can we can stream replays and so on and so forth. Because for me, the they talk about it being the second most played sport in the country, yeah. which is amazing. It's no there for the second most followed and watched sport in the uh-huh. country. And I think that's where the headroom everybody's talking about uh, makes it interesting. But for me, it's about creating the best game day experience, the best fan experience, and, and raising the standard right across the board, the best socials, the best media, the best interaction with our fans. And what I'd like to see is every other club rather than talk about, oh, change, you know, we had a good thing going, etc., which a lot of them are quite comfortable to be where they are. I think, by and large, though, most have accepted that there's a marvellous opportunity, and if you open your mind up to it, this could be one of the, the most successful sporting endeavours and the most successful growth phases of a sport mm. that people have ever seen. Because there is an underground bubbling of support, and the product's just not good enough to get them out of their house and pay whatever it is, 12 or £15 pounds for a ticket, and then tend to put a product on the court where people will see that as excellent value for money. And then the back of that fan engagement will build everything else around about it. Because for me, I've said all the time in here, it starts with the fans. You know, if we have an empty arena, nothing really works. If we have an arena where fans are getting excited about not just the gladiators, but of course what we're doing is the One Nation approach. You know, the gladiators are the only professional team in Scotland and we want to make it a a national thing. We want want people to feel a sense of pride in Scotland and the gladiators are a representation of that. And I think if everybody adopted the same thing, uh, then we're building that excitement at fan level that then makes you a sustainable product in the future. And that's kind of where we're going with this. So the the BBL, I'm excited that the changes at board level and the change in attitude among some of the clubs that have been, I guess, the power brokers over the years are now starting to realise actually this is a great thing. And they can see it in the stats. I mean, the, yeah. the change even for last year. And people are now saying, okay, how can we help? And yeah, I suppose you just have to see what the league released. I think it was last week about um, how much of an improvement YouTube has helped them reach. Their social media reaches significantly up compared to other seasons or every season. And I suppose you look at teams like the Gladiators, uh, London are kind of, in my opinion, leading the way in that, in that kind of modernisation of the, of the league and of the game. 
Yeah, and I think I think the biggest challenge for us all. I mean, we'll get there with the media, we'll get there with exposure, we'll get there with broadcast deals and the free tier deals and all that kind of stuff. What we're all struggling to do is fill our arenas, and uh, and I think we have to think really hard about the game day experience, what we're giving fans, and that's what we're trying to do here. I mean, I, I want our arena sold out every week, uh, because that's the kind of buzz I want around about the mm. place, and it makes the players feel good, it makes the staff feel good, it makes everybody feel good about it. But we've got to think about where we're letting fans down and one of the biggest things that's been rectified in the BBL not the WBBL so far is fixture planning if you keep moving fixtures you just chase fans away to a sport that's a bit more professional so we can't have that fixtures changing at the last minute and even moving a fixture back from half 75 o'clock massive difference the people in here yeah. think it's an easy thing to do hey, can we tip off at 5 o'clock what about the thousands of fans that have made arrangements mm. I suppose yeah. that you've seen that um, maybe a month or so back when the uh, when we did move the Cheshire game from a Sunday to the Friday to try and make sure we fitted in a better preparation for the Leicester Cup game, and you noticed that change in the crowd. The crowd wasn't big for our Friday night game, whereas other Friday night games have been pretty busy. There was also the Wednesday night game against Leicester, where the place was almost full for a Wednesday night game. Yeah, I mean, I mean that particular move came about uh, against the Green because we don't want to move fixtures, mm-hmm. but that was because we thought, to be honest, if I'm being honest about it, we thought Leicester were a wee bit of a game to gain some competitive advantage and they moved the game for the Wednesday to the Tuesday and back to the Wednesday. We were very annoyed about that. But I, was, I wasn't just annoyed for myself because you can handle game and it's all part of it. People are trying to get an advantage. But what really annoyed me was the fact that the fans had been messed about. So they're coming on a Sunday in numbers. They've got their babysitters sorted out or they're bringing their family with them because it's a Sunday. You move it to a Friday and it's a totally different thing for them. And so what we're saying to our fans, what we're saying to our fans is we'll move things to suit us, we don't really care what effect it has on you. Because you see what you're saying about the Leicester one, I was going to travel down for the game, and I was in my head, oh, you now can't do it, Tuesday night, Tuesday night. Got to Tuesday night, I was like, where's the game? Because yeah. <laughs> I hadn't remembered it being moved back to the Wednesday. And, and for, that's no, me for no good reason, I mean, one of the things I think we've got to reflect on is, as, a, as a league is that you have to be held accountable mm-hmm. for your listeners. So you can't just say we're not, we can't play on the Wednesday because we've got something else on. We'll play on a Tuesday and then we have to make moves together as a cup game we have to make moves together players a fair chance of competing and then all of a sudden it gets moved back to Wednesday I mean from a, think about it from a, a fan looking at, like you just you know your own experience it's worse than poor yeah because it shows that we've got no respect for fans making arrangements and actually if you operate the league in such a way that fans are at the center of your universe and you think about the fan experience then it becomes sacrosanct to move a fixture unless it's an emergency yeah. which fans will understand but don't move it because you're trying to game don't move it because there's something getting in the way when really you're talking about hundreds of people being affected and that's the thing we're trying to change here is make, make sure we think about the effect of everything we do on the fan experience because at the end of the day they're paying you know not people have not got a lot of money nowadays with the energy crisis and everything else on we're probably trying to fill our arenas now at the worst possible time in the last 10 years and if we do it now we'll do it fairly easily next year or the year after but I'm still respectful of the fact that's hard them cash that fans are having to do. And if they bring a family, that's a lot of money. It's no football money, but it's a lot of money nevertheless. So we have to give them as much of a good experience as we as we can, you know. Which which is why we're desperate to get our own facility up because you, there's only so much we can control at a rented yeah. space. Yeah, the uh, mercy of Glasgow Life or oh down in Paisley and God, you know, I did a presentation to the team a couple of weeks ago where I said here's the things that annoyed me most about 2022. It was my New Year address, as I called it, and. <laughs> There was probably 25 things in that list and they all come back to not having their own arena. Every mm. single one of them. I just think it's an impediment that makes the whole thing... You can't be successful in any basketball professional league if you've not got your own arena, in my view. 
and I could talk all day about why that is but it is the thing I'm most focused on when everybody else is running about trying to get the team to perform and organise travel buses I'm focused on getting an arena for this season never mind the big arena for a couple of seasons yeah. down the line because it's just such an impediment to success you know it affects mm. everything so let's touch we touched on the WBL side a wee bit there let's t- touch a wee bit further on the BBL um, how do you think the men's campaign's kind of going on court this season and how do you think Gareth's doing as coach? I think for the men's point of view we're, we're doing okay at the moment we're just now getting into the business end of the season I suppose so the two new signings are going to help uh, I think we've lost a few games we should have won Definitely agree with that one. Yeah, and I think we're struggling to understand why. You know, if you look at the, if you look at even the Manchester game where that goaltend issue was the, the thing that would have changed the game at the end for us, we should have won it long before. Yeah, that, the game should have been out of reach. Have, and, the and there's a number of games we, we struggle a wee bit to to take a command and lead when we should. And if you hear the fans saying, "Yeah, the third quarter is always a challenge for us," I don't really know why that is. So, from a playing point of view, I think we could be doing better. Uh, I think the interesting thing is we didn't have any influence over the shape of the team because we bought we mm. bought the club after the team was bought, and so what we're trying to impact is when it, the the changes are made and players are coming and going, as we are now saying, okay, let's bring the kind of player we want you to be able to bring, and not that we tell Gareth or Sean or Miguel or Chantel what what player they're bringing in, but we're simply saying here's the environment. Yeah, you the could package go after is different. different. Yeah, yeah, you could go after a player that you thought was maybe out of bounds and. Faro is a great example of that. You know, he brings his family with him, two young, lovely young kids, and and his wife are all here, and hopefully going to make it their home. Yeah, and that's because we're saying to the we're saying to the the coaches, you know, you can bring a different level of player in. There's a different budget for it, and here's a budget for next year, and so on and so forth. Yeah, so I think the teams could do better. I mean, the, the women get beat at Durham last week. We should have had that done and dusted. I think we were affected by the camera. To be honest, that must have been <laughs> in everybody's mind. No, the fans weren't having a good experience, but we should have we should have won that game. And so, one of the things I'm learning about the sporting arena is, in any given Sunday, you can win or lose, as they say, the, the, the famous movie, any given Sunday. From a coaching point of view, uh, I'm delighted with, with Gareth's decision making. To be honest, I mean, he, he's a great guy. First of all, as a personality, there are tremendous people to work with. But and I hear a lot of people talk about what he might be as a coach, and I don't I don't see any reason why he can't be a coach over the very long term. Here, I don't want a coach who's here this year and gone next year. I want a coach who's here for fifteen years if, if they can deliver for me. And so, for that point of view, I can't ask him to talk long term if I'm not give him giving him a long term commitment. And at the moment, my judgment is, I think he's he's looking to me like a tremendous coach at the moment. He's he's signings the way he gels the team together, the way he does the kind of things that are difficult with trying to reshape the team mid-season when you've got one or two players that are maybe not, you know, Jordan Burns is an example of that where he probably wasn't a team player we wanted, although he was an excellent player in his own right, so Gareth makes the brave decisions about, you know, changing the shape of the team because he knows it's very important to get a team performance on the go, not individual performances. And on that, probably that's quite, from a league and probably from a club point of view, I struggle to remember a time when someone like a Jordan Burns comes in and then his contract's bought out for the benefit of for everyone's party as yeah. such. That tends to not have happened before and I think that shows a kind of stride forward that teams are looking at our players and saying, you know what, I want them now. Yeah, I think the whole landscape's changing just for the small moves I've made. I mean, we, we're totally changing the player landscape completely. Mm. You know, we're bringing in contracts that are injury-protected contracts. I came in here and the first thing I said was, there's three things that jumped out. Seasonal contracts, what what does that mean? You know, what is a seasonal contract? They finish at the end of the last game and I'm thinking, well, that's that's nonsense. If if they get injured on the court playing for you, we can terminate their contract and send them home. 
I'm saying that's absolutely nonsense. How can I ask somebody to dive in that loose ball if they know if they get injured diving in a loose ball they're maybe on a plane home the next day? Uh, and the the other thing was they're here for a season at most, you know, and Gareth had a brand new team last year. And I, I, none of the things I can get my head around. And so I said, okay, let's develop a new contract basis, ditch the BBL contract. Yeah and develop a contract basis where if we do all the work front end, in other words, it's our responsibility to assess whether a player's fit and whether that player is right for the team. And we shouldn't be lazy about that and bring them in and say, well, I've made a mistake, let them go. Because these are young people's lives you're dealing with. So our view is we do the work up front. If they pass their fitness test and and our judgment working with Scoutery, who's who's the people... Yeah, Matt is brilliant. I recorded with Matt during the off-season. He's fantastic. They're brilliant because they're independent and knowledgeable. But we have a good session with them and their agents and the player. We make a decision that they're coming here. They have to go through a full fitness assessment. And if they pass all of that, we give them a contract that guarantees if they go down injured, we'll rehabilitate them. So we, I'm not interested in contracts where a player gets down injured. I can say, well, OK, I'm just going to get rid of them. Because it's, it's too pro-club and it doesn't share the risk. And if there is injuries they're carrying long term, we have an injury excluded contract where we say, OK, we need to share the risk in that one. If that back injury day occurs, we have to have the ability to say, right, we can let you go. But they, they go into that knowing that mm-hmm. there's a back injury to bring with them and we still we still could take them on and play. And then you're talking about things like, you know, how we accommodate them. You know, when we came in here, they were travelling away. These six foot ten people were travelling away games on a cramped 55-seater bus with no facilities. <laughs> and so we It's one of the things even people like Mitchell and Mark from the Dooms have also mentioned about how much better that is. Well, it's, it's obvious to us, you know, it's not, yeah. it's just the restrictions, but we come in, we appointed Mitch and, and Honour as a team managers, what a great appointment that was, I mean, everybody talks about how well I looked after, but they two worked together to bring the two teams together, they're tremendous advocates of the one club, one vision approach, but then we went to speak to Parks of Hamilton and said, okay, how do we send our team away comfortably on an away game, and we've seen the team buses that they use for Celtic and Rangers, and we said, well, that'll do for us. And what do we do with our nutrition? Well, I was gobsmacked to learn that they stop at a service station, let everybody off the bus for an hour and a half, and then they get back <laughs> on the bus and go. You, you know when you stop at a service station what kind of food you get, right? I, so I remember a story going back to when uh, the club played at Brayhead that you used to see after the game, a couple of the guys lined up at, when it was at Brayhead, a couple of guys lined up at either McDonald's or KFC after the game. So <laughs> I mean, how, how can you run a professional club when you've no control over what they're eating? There's yeah. no education as to what they're eating. In fact, you condone them eating fast food. Mm. And so we've got Cross Basket Castle Hotel and it's Michelle Rue that runs the, the restaurant down there. So it's a very best quality food. So you can't do much better than bring the chef in from Cross Basket Castle to cook their food for them. And so working with Mitch and Honour, they've devised menus that will get the best recovery for them in terms of protein and the best energy for them in terms of carbs and how that's delivered. And that food goes away with them on the bus and they get fed on the bus at tables because they've got tables on the bus and they can do their scouting on the bus because they've got videos. And just, I mean, it's a much higher cost, obviously, than, than what we had before. But for us, you can imagine coaches working all week to prepare their team for a big away tie. And then we send them on a cramp bus without any food. So we've literally unpicked everything the coaches have done. And what we're trying to do, we call it marginal gains. What we're trying to do is A, treat them like athletes and B, look after them so that we're not taken away from what the coaches have done. And, and they love it. They love the food. They love the fact we think about their food. They love the comfort in the buses. And for us, it's a minimum we could do. So a few of the guys have commented on that, have been like how the bus trips, even though it felt like at the start of the season, there was... Every every Friday Sunday was a trip down to Plymouth, Bristol, or Cheshire, or wherever else. So, 
and the guys all commented being like oh yeah we were playing cards in the bus or someone's brought like a games console and from a social point of view it's better as well so these guys are then just becoming better friends off interacting more I mean Miguel actually said to me when I talked to him about the bus you know he said if you're going to give us buses let us will never fly again because he always feels as if flying they lose control of the team and they lose control of the camaraderie yeah. and the teamwork and he said there's no reason why we can't travel to Plymouth on a bus if we're food's coming with us if there's plenty of space if we literally stop to exercise our legs and we don't have to stop other things the other the other thing that helps is we don't get them travelling six or seven hours off a bus and playing a game they yeah. go down the night before into a hotel and we pick hotels that have got spa facilities so that professional athletes could go and get a sauna or a steam room, or a swim in a pool, and it's how you treat athletes. In my view, that's a basic minimum, and there was no question that we were going to do that, and it was nothing to do with how much it cost versus how much we spent before. It was all to do with our assets, and most of the most important assets were these elite athletes, men and women, who are giving up their other career choices to come here, and so we should look after them the best way we can. And so I think that culture is a culture that's embedded here, is that we look at all our players as elite athletes that have chosen to come to be an elite gladiator and we have to treat them as such. And I suppose you see that with how the rest of the league London, I wouldn't be surprised they are flying chartered planes at the moment, uh, but other teams still you see them come up, I think it was maybe in Sheffield or Cheshire, like it was a minibus. Yeah. And there's just like levels to how athletes, these guys top end players are able to not be able to get that minimum standard of comfort, food, and it's amazing how, alright, maybe the away results this season for on both sides hasn't is where they've struggled, but that's also when you look at the no, league as a whole. Yeah, you look at look at home it. teams are all obviously favourite yeah. or stronger teams are more level. But it's interesting how you talk to I talk to the players and they say oh, it's great how we travel. Yeah, but having said that, there's a there's a real purpose to it, and that's yet to come through. We're long term thinkers, so we're not expecting the first time we send you away in a parts of Hamilton bus with a personal chef that you're going to come back with a win. <sighs> but in the balance of probability that. If you keep treating people like that, and so it was never a one-off, you know, people thought, oh, that's nice, are we going to get it all the time? That That's the de facto yeah. standard now, and what we're expecting from it, well, of course, I have a laugh and a joke with Miguel and, and Gareth to an extent, but we're expecting a better away team performance, mm. why wouldn't we? Because we're, we're preparing them better for an away team performance. Now, that'll come, the away team performance, the secret to winning championships has been unbeatable at home and winning the key away games, and uh, that's what we're planning to do. So we'll, we'll enhance that, uh, build that package out, if you like, to make sure that they, when they go away they're well prepared. But for us, I guess it's one of the, getting back to one of your earlier questions, why as a business person going into basketball and not as a basketball person going into business, it's mm-hmm. important. Because if you're a basketball person coming in, you would say, well, that's just what happens in this league. Everybody mm-hmm. travels on minibuses and they stop at service stations. We come in and say, you know, one of the greatest sayings we had in our, our company in SMS was our most valuable assets walk out the door at night and come back the next morning. It's nothing to do with computers and buildings, yeah. it's to do with people. And so we come in and say, hold on a wee minute, if we take away from the preparation that's done by being owners that are not thinking about who are the most valuable assets here, then we actually take away for the ability for the coach to win a game. So once Gareth and Miguel get comfortable with the club are doing everything for us, actually I know for a fact they'll say to the players, you know, we, look how well treated you've been down here. I want a real kick-ass performance here on yeah. court, and, we want, and that'll come. It'll come because we've got better players on the team. It'll come because, I think, to be honest with you, I think there's a mentality in the club, and a lot of clubs, that away games are just hard to win. It's yeah. kind of accepted in the BBL that away games are hard to win. My view is you should be able to win every single game home or away, 
and we don't really have home advantage here. One of the things I talked about was we don't have home advantage here. The only thing we've got home advantage in is our fan base. Mm. But we're often kicked out of practice in our home arenas. We're, we can't practice at Lagoon. We get kicked out a lot and for any other sport, any other endeavour kicks us out of uh, the Emirates. It's always the, the traditional British basketball dislike for things like badminton. Oh God, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing that when my players line up uh, whether it's Emirates or Lagoon they haven't act- actually practised often in that court yeah. so the basket picture's different and you see that when you go away you can see when you go to Leicester Raiders you know their performance in terms of throwing the throwing the ball at the basket is, is almost perfect in most cases because it's the same picture they see every day whereas for us it's different it's mm-hmm. a different court it's a different scenario one of the reasons one of the things I want to do is give them a bit to defend it's their bit they'll defend it and it's the same basket picture they look at every day and that's proper home advantage with a lot of things we've all drawn about Is there much plan f- over the short medium term to have both teams playing in the same kind of game night? I love the double headers I think the double. I think everybody recognises in the league double headers as a great fan experience and we originally thought about the double header we had we only really had one Leicester yeah. and we thought it would be too long for the fans mm. uh, the fans enjoyed it I think if we have a double header here at PlaySport it's even better because there's other things you can do between games to give the parents a break for the kids or just a break for the basketball. Uh, but I love the idea of doing double headers and actually I'm hoping <coughs> and I think it is the case that the league are very focused on double headers being a thing because it's cheaper for everyone. Yeah. It's far more efficient for away costs and travel costs and so on and so forth. But it is a spectacle mm. to see the men and the women. The other good thing is you could then expose your audience whether they're male supporters or female supporters to the whole club experience. Because m- my first WBBL game was that Leicester Day uh, game at the Emirates. I actually couldn't stay for the men's game, but I've got time because it started early. I was able to get to the, the the women's game, and it was a great game. It was obviously another one that Gladiators should have won. Should have won. Um, but I loved it, and having that, you saw fans that probably that might have been their first experience of a WBBL game because they knew it was the precursor to the, the BBL game or whatever way around they want to do it. There's, there's some fans we've got that that have always supported Glasgow Rocks and then Caledonian Gladiators male side and I see them at every single game, mm. men and women. There's, there's a fa- families in one family I'm thinking in particular who was my biggest critique when I changed the name to Caledonian Gladiators and uh, I, I kind of made a point of you know, shaking his hand and, and getting to know him a bit because I was genuinely wanting to understand why he was my biggest critique. <laughs> I was wanting to understand why he was my biggest critique because you've, when I look at him and his family, I think that's the kind of supporters I want. They're dedicated, they're fanatical, they're there all the time, they've got things to say, they want to engage in the commentary with the club, and I want to hear their opinions. But the important thing for me is to make sure there's not this thing that I don't like being criticised. In fact, if you've got something to say that's like a system at the time as long as it's constructive yeah. then I want to hear it because it will shape my policy you know fans are the greatest asset we've got out there for building a club and so those fans that are dedicated and now showing dedication to the club which is a marvellous thing because that's a lot of money yeah. to take them to the male games every male game and then take them to the, the female games I know they're involved in netball I mean they're committed sports fans but they're committed to this club and I want to get to know them more and I want to understand what's in their psyche because I want that psyche, I want to build that psyche in a lot of fans. Because I think as well, maybe uh, talking about fans again, is on the historically away fans haven't really been a thing from our club. Um, Newcastle is the obvious one because it's quite close. Cheshire, I've been to Cheshire before when it's just been me. Um, and it's amazing how. One sole fan. One sole fan. Um, we lost that one tight again. But anyway. Um, 
but you're beginning to see other teams like Plymouth had fans tra travel up with them or come up and it's something that was interesting probably pre-Covid we did have fans travelling a lot further um, and it's just wondering to see how that landscape changes based on people's uh, experiences around other venues well <clears throat> you know the greatest thing when you come in with no glass ceiling in the club is that you look at every aspect mm. of the club and you want to be the best across the board I mean we say we want to be the reference club in everything we do and what does that mean from a travelling fan support uh, I think we could relatively easily have the biggest travelling support in the country. Why? Because we're the Tartan Army, and the <laughs> Tartan Army are one of the best supporters, supporting groups in the world. But when I say Tartan Army, I'm really referring to Scotland and the, the pride we've got as a nation. And so we've got a whole strategy that's based around how do we help fans travel, and it deals with the practicalities of subsidised hotels. I mean, we're in the hotel business. It's relatively straightforward to set up deals with hotels that our travelling fans get subsidies that we can subsidise travel through our relationships with the people that take the team on travel, yeah. that, we can, that, that we can help them meet the practicalities of the cost and then we can make that a comfortable experience. I mean, the fullness of time, we'll run supporters' buses. So we'll run subsidised supporters' buses done at cost so that you know 70 supporters could travel at the same time for the cost of the bus, if you like, and we'll get them down and they'll come with a tartan and all that kind of stuff. Why? Because we want to be, have the best travelling support in the country. But why? Because... The, the impediment to not having a good travelling support is somebody goes up, like Big Tappy goes up, or Chantel scores a three, or Big Tappy goes up and does a dunk, and there's nobody cheer. And it's kind of, you, you listen to it and you think, well, if only ten people cheering, yeah. it would make a difference. Because you heard last night on the London Cheshire game, you heard, um, you can, for example, London, I think it was their fourth home game in about eight days, which is amazing, the fact that they're still getting bodies coming in for that. But you could hear the Cheshire fans at times, especially when they kind of pull back in. And I like it. I mean, Newcastle bring you know a handful of supporters yeah. up and they come up here and they're noisy. And I like it. I mean, that's what it's all about. You, you don't really want it to be so one-sided that you get a massive cheer when we score a basket and nothing when they yeah. score a basket. And, uh, that's so what that, sport is. Sport's entertainment. Sport. Is. You want, like, when I was at Newcastle, Obviously, Newcastle scored as a cheer when the Gladiators scored. There was a cheer. It was kind of back and forth, and there yeah. was actually a bit of kind of banter in the stands, uh, and that's what actually makes live sport entertaining as well. From my opinion, from going across football away games, rugby you away want to games, go and see other people's arena, other people certainly. You know, it, it impacts more than just the travelling fans because I have a view that our travel support is a as two things: as the people that physically travel and shout and scream at, uh, at our opposition's uh, venues. But it's also the people that watch us online. Yeah. And so I want to make the broadcast as appealing as possible so that when our players are there they can feel the weight of, you know, five thousand people watching the game and cheering them on. And so I'm trying to build that, you know, give them a way day podcast. I mean the issue with a way day podcast uh, sorry, a way day broadcast is of course that it's a way it's a way team that are or the home team there that are in control of the broadcast. And it's a, well, that's one of the things I always find quite amusing is it's very biased. It's one of the things I've commented on for a while is like the majority of people watching that stream are going to be away fans. And there's almost that, I don't feel that's ever acknowledged. Well, you know, the interesting thing, it's very interesting you say that, Grant, because uh, Dizzy Fisher, one of our partners, and Dave's got a great insight. They sponsor a lot of sports, mm. and, and I mean, I think everybody knows David Dizzy Fisher, but I, I've, met, I, I've got to know him quite well. He's putting a big jumbotron in, in the Emirates for us. But Dave says to me, you know, th the thing you've got to realise, Steve, is that the audience for an away game broadcast is your home fans. Yeah. And the, and the vice versa is true. So and when true. you think about it, if we go down to Bristol and Bristol put on a broadcast, they're broadcasting to their own fans who are at the game. Yeah. And there's nothing for our fans who are watching online. And mm -hmm. really, I guess in a perfect world, we would do the broadcast from Bristol yeah. and they would do the broadcast from Glasgow because that's kind of how it works. Now, that's never going to happen, of course. But what I mean is, 
I kind of like the idea. I've said to the BBL, like, I don't want changes in commentators every week. Because a bit like the, the famous commentators are famous commentators because they were always there. Famous yeah. commentators in rugby and football and all of these kind of sports, F1, were famous because they were always there. And so the I've got my view as to who our commentators should be. But they should be our commentators whether home or away. So what I want to do is I want to run our own local broadcast mm. show and tap into the live feed. So it cuts back to our commentators and then cuts back to our live studio and then cuts back to the game. And I think that's a way where we, we develop it for our audience. So we might be seeing the home or the away team, sorry if it's Bristol to use an example. We'll see Bristol's cameras and we'll see Bristol's way of filming it. But actually the commentary team will be ours and they'll be sitting in the studio up here. And our live panel show will be ours and they'll be sitting in the studio up here. That's the way for me it has to go. Because when we're broadcasting on the away game, it's our fans were broadcast. And to be honest, when I'm flying adverts through for our partners and for our merchandise, there's no point in Bristol doing that for Bristol, the Bristol home crowd when it's our fans yeah. that are watching. So if we want to sell merch and we want to sell tickets for the next game, we need to broadcast those fly-throughs and those adverts for our yeah. fans. And that will change. We intend to tap into that. Like, we're trying to do it now. We, we want to tap into live feed but have our panel show behind it and our commentators behind it, even in away games. So every time they switch on, they hear uh, yeah, Stuart Hodge doing the commentary and, and so on and so forth and you know Kieran Achara doing the commentary or Mark Woods or whoever we have as a regular gig doing the commentary men and women I don't want a difference between the men and mm. the women when you sign on to hear gladiators playing when they broadcast you hear the same commentators and the commentators know the club inside out and that's kind of what we're aiming for here you know I love that I love that and it's something that when I watch I think I could name several teams but I always just, it winds me up like most of the fans watching this are going to be the away team's fans and then also the excitement the commentators get for an average layup to then there's zero for like a big dunk by the away team you're like yeah. come on either call the game neutral or yeah it's always just one thing that's wearing a wound no names mentioned right but we were watching a broadcast from down south when the gladiators went to play and the two commentators looked as if they were broadcasting for their caravan it was that funny, you know, it was it was almost comical. They were kinda of half asleep. They were kinda of looking like somebody that had their barbecue on outside their caravan. I thought this is not this is not professional standard. And I think we could be much better there. I mean, our commentators I think Stuart Hodge in particular I always think he's like Archie McPherson, I say that to him because he, he he captures the excitement yeah, of the yeah. game. And I think commentators it's must the use come up of the, the as kind of specific descriptor words that kinda of captures it that I feel like you could listen to Stuart's quite good at this. With your eyes closed, and be able to pick up what happened because exactly. of how he's described it. Yeah, I mean, he's a superb young commentator, to be honest. A lot of skill there, but, you know, my friends listening to him say, have you, have you recruited Archie McPherson to the basketball? He's a, he's a bit <laughs> like that, you know. The excitement, but he knows the game, but he, he also knows the power of getting people excited mm. about what you're seeing in court. And people that don't react to the big dunks and that are a bit, they're doing as a disservice. Yeah, absolutely. Because our branding and our social will try to capture the excitement and the energy in the sport. And if you don't see that come across in a broadcast, you're wasting your time. You know? Thank you for listening to part two of our three-part series with Gladiator owner Steve Timoney. Hopefully you enjoyed that as much as you did episode one. And join us in the next few days for part three of our uh, interview with Steve. So yeah, thanks very much for listening and look forward to hearing your views on this and hope you are excited for part three.